Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Jobs fill your pockets, but adventures fill your soul. Jamie Lynn. The first full day out of Pagosa Springs, I think was probably one of those times where I was like, this is dumb and I hate this right now. Um, woke up at 5.30 and was trying to get up early to walk on top of the snow. Hopefully it was solid enough at that point where you can walk on top of it for a bit before you start post-filling for the rest of the day. And was able to do it for maybe half an hour. So starting at 6 a.m., I am post-holing every single step. I, like there is, and this is, it's just snow. There's no trail, there's nowhere that's dry for you to walk and end up doing six miles in seven hours. At that point, my feet have been submerged in snow the whole time, and so they've gone numb, and I can't feel them anymore. <laughs> and so uh, this is, it's like, hey, gotta stop for the day. And like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. And so stopping below a pass, because uh, the goal was to get up and over uh, a pass, but the storm was rolling in, it was like, well, I'm not gonna be up exposed above tree line, when a thunderstorm's happening, that's just dumb. And so it turned into doing six miles that day and like warming up my feet for the rest of the day and just being like, hey, you know, I, I intentionally was, I was going in with the intention of hiking the CDT on the official route through the San Juans, which mostly is above, you know, at or above tree line, and it's gonna be snowed in the whole time. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod.
Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you are not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest. Welcome to the podcast, recent triple crowner, Justin Helmkamp. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing good, doing good. Happy to be here. Now, when I say recent triple crowner, it's pretty recent. Uh, like just barely over two weeks. This is uh, since I finished up on the CDT in Glacier. So it's, it's pretty fresh right now. It's yeah, it's super recent. That is fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It's quite the journey. Has it sunk in yet? It's starting to, it's, I'm starting to like get super nostalgic about it, you know, kind of towards the end. It's just like, ah, I want to be done. Like I'm tired and sick of walking all the time. But now that I've been off trail for a couple of weeks and, the the glamour of having town food every day has worn off it's just kind of like oh man starting starting to miss it again but that's how it goes nice and how many trail miles do you have under your boots or trail runners i don't have an exact um i think i'm in the neighborhood of nine to ten thousand um the triple crown obviously and then Mm -hmm. some other trails i'm sure we'll talk about so got it got it have you listened to the podcast before yeah, I've listened to a couple episodes. I he had Rocket uh, Julia Sheehan on. Uh, listened to a bit of hers. Listened to a bit of Legends. So uh, I was just kind of scrolling through. I was like, who do I recognize that's been on here? So I want to hear from them. A couple, a couple of good characters right there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> hey, um, the reason I ask is because we go strictly by trail name on the the podcast here. If you have a trail name, so do you have a trail name? I do. It's uh, Two Taps. Number two T A P S. Two taps. Okay. And we have to always hear about this story behind the trail name. How'd you end up with that? Well, I got to go all the way back to when I first started through hiking 2016, uh, Appalachian trail, how most people I think get into this life. Um, and I, I started in June cause I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't do enough research and it didn't click in my head that June in Georgia was just going to be stupidly hot and muggy and disgusting. So, uh, I started June 5th. And so day five, June 10th, I'm going up, I believe the mountain's Trey Mountain. Um, it's been a while since I've been on the AT, so I think it was Trey Mountain, something like that. It's like 60 or so miles in. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm hot. I've been sweating since 7 a.m. and having a rough time. And this is my first backpacking trip I've ever done is the AT. So I set the bar way too high. Uh, <laughs> And uh, about two thirds of the way up, I see a blaze on a tree and I take my trekking pole and I just whack it really hard two times. And the guy I was like, I was hiking with, was like, what'd you do that for? I was like, tell this stupid trail that it hasn't beaten me yet. And so it kind of turned into a motivation thing. It was just when I was just having a rough time, I'd take the pole, just give the trail a couple whacks, be like, hey man, I'm still here, still here, even though I'm not happy right now. (laughs) And uh, as the trail has gone on and more miles have, uh, come under my feet it's it's kind of turned into like a hey trail it's it's good to be here I'm happy to be out here so yeah it morphed a little bit but <laughs> the genesis of it was anger for sure I was gonna ask if it didn't morph I was gonna ask what uh, on what mile 
did your poles break after whacking, whacking the trees so hard? Oh man, I actually, so I don't know how much you want to get into how I did my hikes yet, but I did a flip-flop on the AT that first year. And I actually, I think the total mileage would have been about 1300 miles in or so. I broke with the first pole, which was for me in New Hampshire. Um, So yeah, it didn't quite make it all the way. And then, then I lost the second one to rocks in Pennsylvania, but I think everybody does at some point. <laughs> that sounds like a common occurrence. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Hey, a, a regular feature we have on the podcast here is the pro tip insight of the week. And that is a segment towards the end of the episode where I, w- I will turn to you two taps and I will ask you to share a bit of trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't, don't be surprised when I, when I ask you for your pro tip at the end. Sounds good. Okay. Hey, and another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, outdoor vitals. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Justin, or I'm sorry, two taps. What, uh, what is your must bring piece of gear? My favorite piece of gear that I bring on every hike, whether it's a day hike or a through hike, doesn't matter at this point. I started carrying one on the PCT is a umbrella. Uh, I use the, I personally, I use the Montbell. I think it's the UL sun umbrella, I think is the model. Um, I like it because if the, the spokes on the umbrella fold in on itself, so you can pack it down really small and it's like six or seven ounces, but it's one of those things that it's like, you know, it, it's, it comes in so clutch when you, it's like least expected and you don't use it a lot, but when you use it, it's like, man, it's really nice to have an umbrella right now. Like if it's dumping rain, you just kind of huddle under, it's like, well, my legs are wet, but my top half's totally dry and most of my pack is dry. So that's cool. Um, so yeah, I think the, the UL sun umbrella, it's pretty clutch. Okay. And what is the weight on that? I want to say they have a, they have a couple versions. I think the one that I have is like eight ounces. They might have a six ounce version. Okay. Um, something like that. Yeah. Uh, they also have options that are not like the reflective stuff, uh, just like black or green or just like basic colors that don't do reflection that okay. I think are a little bit lighter than that, but you'd have to check. So okay. Montbell, um, and there might be a couple other companies that do something similar too, but you know, go with whatever works for you. All right. And our listeners know that I like to uh, talk about gear and especially the evolution of gear. So I know that you did the AT in 2016. Was that your first overnight hike? First overnight hike ever. That is, that is crazy. Two times. That's, <laughs> that's nuts, man. Uh, I set the bar way too high. Yeah. And yeah. so you did the AT in 2016. You did the PCT in 2017. And then you finished up with the CDT this past year. How, did, how, yeah. did, how much did your gear weigh in 2016? And then how did it, how did it evolve through this, this past year's hike? So I, I was lucky that when I was first starting on the AT, I had worked at a summer camp with a guy who had already done an AT three hike a couple years prior. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to talk with him about gear and that sort of stuff. So I actually started the AT with, I think a 15 pound base weight okay. uh, for my first ever trip. That I thought respect- I was so that cool. Is, that is respectable for a first ever through <laughs> hike. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I had I had a lot of help in figuring that out, but uh, I felt I remember feeling so cool that I had I had an Osprey backpack, and I felt so cool being able to take the top 
loader off because mm-hmm. I didn't need it. And I was like, all right, yeah, this is my flex right now. <laughs> um, but that pack only lasted me to Vir- uh, Virginia, Damascus. I got a ULA at that point. But uh, yeah, 15 pounds is what I started with on the AT. I think I finished around 12, okay. I want to say. Yeah. And, um, on and the then CDT? So <laughs> I'll, I'll go through the PCT and then okay. back to the CDT because it's a weird yeah. kind of arc. So 15 to 12 on the AT. The PCT base weight was like 7.5, something like that. It was, wow. So I got even lighter, yeah. you know, frameless pack, um, used a tarp, didn't have a tent, um, you know, super minimal, super minimal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's including my camera that I brought, which was a smaller camera at that point, but it's including all that sort of stuff. So 7.5, so I went really ultra light. And then for the CDT, having four years in between the PCT, doing a bunch of like smaller hikes, section hikes, other sorts of stuff, I'd found like, hey, you know, if I can carry three pounds more of stuff and sleep better at night, that sounds great. Um, So I never actually weighed my CDT weight before I started because I was just like, bring in what I'm bringing and then the number doesn't matter to me at this point, it's whatever. Um, But to kind of give a reference, I used a 40 liter frameless pack from Superior Wilderness Designs. Uh, enlightened equipment 10 degree sleeping bag that sort of stuff mm-hmm. uh, still was rocking the tarp but this time had a dyneema tarp from hyperlight um, and had a much bulkier bigger camera on this one the camera itself weighed about like the camera with all the camera gear was about two and a half three extra pounds um, so my total weight uh, for cdt was somewhere in the range of 10 to 12 pounds Okay. Uh, when I started something like that. So I actually went like, so I started a little heavier, went really light and then got a little heavier again. Cause you know, sleeping on an air mattress is so much more bougie and fancy. And I got so much better sleep than just sleep on the closed cell phone. And so um, I think actually it helped in the long run for me to just be happier with the hike. Cause I was actually sleeping at night this time, instead of just tossing and turning the whole time. All right. And I have to award you some, some extra bonus points here for using the word bougie just 10 minutes into the interview. So <laughs> fantastic. That's how we do it. <laughs> Love it. Love it. I was going to ask you if the, the weight arc went uh, down and then back up because that yeah. PCT hike was uh, particularly difficult or painful with just seven and a half pounds worth of gear. Yeah. And especially it bit me in the very end in Washington, I got snowed on the last three, four days in Washington. Up until that point, it really wasn't an issue with being cold or anything. Uh, but at that point, like I was so, I was freezing. I could barely sleep at night. Um, and I, I didn't have pants. I didn't have proper pants. <laughs> I was getting snowed on. I was like, this is dumb. I should not do this. <laughs> like it's definitely worth the four ounces to get some wind pants or whatever it's going to be to be warmer than this right now. Cause this sucks. Um, so that kind of informs some of it too. Just like, Hey, sometimes inclement weather happens even in the middle of summer, especially on the CDT. Um, so bring, bring a couple extra layers. Like I, I had my hiking shirt on the PCT. I had my hiking shirt and a fleece and a rain jacket. And that was it for top layers. And then I just had shorts on the bottom and that was it. So it was one of those things where I was like, I probably went a little bit too light there at the end. And, you know, it worked out fine, but it was not comfortable or fun at all yeah there's that's the super flex right there is seven and a half pounds but that comes at a cost right that comes at a cost of uh comfort and and inclement weather uh, yeah preparation so all right and you said you you went with a tarp for both the pct and the cdt 
Yeah, I've been doing tarps or cowboy camping ever since doing the PCT. The AT, I had a uh, six moons, uh, like a tarp tent or a trekking pole tent. So it was was still pretty light. But I found that I don't really mind bugs that much. And if it's a particularly a buggy section that I know I'm going to be going into, or if it might be a colder section, I actually have a bivy that I'll bring at certain points of the trail. Mm -hmm. CDT, I just carried it the whole time because it was also nice to help keep my bag clean, uh, keep the dirt out. and so, uh, yeah, I, I've just been doing tarp stuff. And when I've been working in wilderness therapy, uh, outside of trail, and then especially my most recent gig, I live under a, like one of those home Depot blue tarps <laughs> in the middle of winter. And so I was like, yeah, if I can do this in the middle of winter, I can do this in the summer and it'll be fine. So. Right. And have you experimented with different pitches for the tarp? Do you have a favorite uh, pitch? I actually have a catenary tarp with hyperlight so it's really only one pitch is what you got um Mm -hmm. if i were to do it again hindsight i would either get the flat tarp um and be able to do at least like a three wall uh style Mm -hmm. um i've also been looking at their pyramid tarp which is super awesome and cool it's just kind of heavy for what it is but it's just it's bomb proof and rock solid in any wind i hiked with a guy on the cdt for a little bit who had one and just like he's like yeah i could set it up in like 80 mile an hour winds and be totally fine it's like dude that's nuts so yeah uh i've been thinking about branching out that direction but we'll see i gotta i gotta get some funds back first okay and speaking of funds let our let our listeners know for your your 12 and a half 13 pound uh pack for the cdt how much money you have invested in that um Let's see. What does it take to, to be a 12 pound base weight? How much, how much, how much money does it take to get there? So, so personally for me, I was mm-hmm. lucky enough to be, uh, have a relationship with enlightened equipment and garage ground gear, nice. uh, prior to this trail. So I was able to actually get some stuff, uh, free of charge or at the exchange of photography work, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that I've been doing for a while. Um, so for me, it didn't really cost that much. However, I will, I would spin in and say that if you were to pay, uh, just like the shelf price for, um, for all that gear minus my camera stuff. I won't include that. Um, I would guess it would probably be in the neighborhood of maybe 1300 bucks, something yeah. like that. Cause really the biggest expense, the biggest, two biggest expenses are the Dyneema tarp and the, uh, sleeping bag, the sleeping bag that I got is like a nine fifty fill 10 degree solid bag i think it's like 500 bucks um and then the uh dyneema tarp i think goes for around 300 that's 800 bucks right there Mm -hmm. and the rest of the gear is not that expensive um and so yeah there's it's not crazy expensive it's not super cheap either um i've also done some research in the past of how to do a complete ultralight setup for like 800 bucks too you know you trade in the dyneema tarp for a still nylon tarp you get a little bit cheaper of a sleeping bag, that sort of stuff. So it's definitely possible to get a sub 10 pound base weight for under a thousand bucks. Just kind of depends on, you know, where can you find the deal? And, you know, are you cool with not having the trendiest gear, but it's still sort of thing. Right. Now let's, uh, let's get to the, to the heart of the matter here. This is a question that I asked to find out how focused you are on ultralight. Have you cut your toothbrush in half or drilled holes in your toothbrush to get rid of get rid of those grams and cut off the straps on your pack? 
I do not. Okay. <laughs> I have one of those uh, travel toothbrushes that like the plastic ones that has the cover on it because mm-hmm. I think it's more gross to brush your teeth with a toothbrush that's got a bunch of dirt on it. So yeah, it's worth it to me to keep the extra point one ounce question mark. So good. Point. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I've I've trended more and more away from not trying to care too much about being as light as possible as the years have gone on. It's just kind of like yeah, no, this is this is light enough. You know, I, I know the gear that works for me and you know, if, if six ounces is going to be what determines me not finishing this hike, then I got other problems. <laughs> well said. So, yeah. Now do you bring a stove with you or are you a cold soaker? Uh, I do a stove. I did a, um, what are they called? The, like the tin alcohol stoves on the yeah. AT. Yep. Um, so I did one of those in the AT cold soak the pct found out that was disgusting and i don't like that anymore and i want to eat warm hot food and be happy with my life and so i've been using a stove ever since yeah yeah i had a I, of course i haven't done the long trails but i i have done some extended extended hikes and i have played around with cold soaking and i think i came to the same realization as you yeah it's i don't know I mean, like i have a pot that has a lid that screws on so like i can if i run out of fuel or something but i would much rather have hot food at the end of the day it's just it's such a morale boost to not be sipping on cold ramen yeah agree yeah, i don't i don't need to do this to myself <laughs> all right hey before we get too far on the trail let's back up a little bit let's talk about your background uh you know where you grew up did you grow up playing any any sports or, or have any outdoor experiences with, with your family and how did you get involved in the through hiking cult because that's really what it is i mean it's a it's a it's movement that convinces people to live in the dirt for months on end. And so yeah. it's, uh, yeah. tell us, <laughs> tell us all about that. Yeah. So I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, that's actually where I am right now. Uh, once I finish trail, come back to see the family for a little bit. Um, so yeah, I grew up here my whole life, Southern Wisconsin. Um, I played I, like the standard sports up until high school, you know, like football, baseball, um, that sort of thing. Uh, once I hit high school, I started playing tennis and found out I was decent enough at it. And so when I went to college, I actually played for a couple of years on my college team. Um, so division three, don't get too excited about it. I'm not that amazing, uh, but played a couple of years of tennis. Uh, and then, yeah, after college, I, I went to school for recreation management degree. So I was kind of knew that I wanted to do something in the outdoor world. Um, my previous experiences with that was mostly like summer camp. Um, Cause as a family, I, we didn't go west of, I think, Minnesota ever when I was younger. And so I didn't even know what mountains were until I was in my 20s. Um, and so, yeah, I knew I wanted to do that. And so I, um, my first job out of college was outdoor education uh, with a YMCA camp in Michigan. Um, the same camp that my buddy who had hiked the AT a few years prior, uh, that's where we met up. And it was okay. And, you know, it got me into the work world a little bit, but I also kind of felt like there was something that was lacking. And just by pure happenstance, I ended up uh, just scrolling through Instagram one day and I saw these pictures of this thing called the Appalachian Trail. And I was like, I think my buddy Matt's done that. Um, I should look into this. This looks cool. And I ended up just doing a deep dive in the winter of 2015, 16. And you know, by February, the time was rolling around. I was like, well, my job's done June 1st. I guess I'm going to go hike June, you know, right after that. Um, and so that's how I kind of got started into it. It's just kind of 
looking for adventure, looking for, I don't know. It just, I've never wanted to work like a corporate job or have an office or any of that sort of thing. I think life's more exciting when you tell the world, no, I'm going to do it this way that no one else is really doing it because you see a different perspective. And that's how I got started into it. And, you know, for the first couple of months, I don't, I wasn't into it, but I was too stubborn because I had told everyone like, yeah, I'm doing this thing. I was too stubborn to quit. So I just kept going. Um, and it wasn't until I started doing my flip-flop where I really started really enjoying trail. Um, so as I said earlier, I started in June and come late July, I, I was like, this is dumb. I hate this right now. I remember my last day of hiking North, I called my mom uh, just to, like to complain in my mind to complain about how crappy this was. And uh, later on, she told me that I wasn't making much sense. So we think I was having like a heat exhaustion moment and that's how hot it was. Like it was in the nineties at night um, is it was bad. And so when it was, I flipped it was, bad off, enough, it was bad enough for you to call your mom and, and talk gibberish. Yeah. Yeah. She was yeah. like, I don't, I don't really know. You were saying weird stuff. I kind of made it out, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it wasn't good. I was not doing well. Um, and so I ended up taking about a week off and then went back to Maine started going South. I was like, well, at least it's gonna be cooler up in Maine. And, you know, from that point when I summited in Katahdin and on August 9th, I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. Actually. I like this part. I'm not dying of sweat and you know, actually get to see some stuff. It's not a green tunnel the whole time. Um, that's, that's really where I started to get into it. And so for our listeners out there who, um, may not know what flip-flopping is, uh, give us, give us the definition. So flip-flop through hike, uh, is you're still hiking the entire length of the trail in one season. Uh, it's just that you're not doing it a traditional, completely North one direction or completely South one direction. So for my example, I started on the Southern terminus, went North for 800 miles and then jumped up to the northern terminus and then hiked back south to where I had gotten off previously. So I still did all the trail miles. I just did it in, you know, partial northbound, partial southbound. Um, and there's a couple of ways you can do it. You could, you know, start in the middle and go north and then south and, you know, get to see both terminuses at the ends. Um, so, yeah, there's different ways you can do it. But in general, it's kind of like bucking the trend of a traditional I'm going just north or I'm going just south. Yeah. And that might happen for a variety of reasons. I know that on the PCT folks have had to flip-flop because of, you know, high snow in the Sierras and it being impassable. Oh, we can talk about high snow in the Sierra. Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) You and I were on the, I mean, you were on the PCT in 2017. I was in, I was on the JMT in 2017. So I I do want to, I want to trade, I want to hear about the dates of that. Maybe we came close to each other. The gauntlet. Yeah. But um, uh, before we get to that though, how, how do you pay the bills currently? Uh, so I'll be going back to work, uh, after the PCT, I started working in wilderness therapy primarily, uh, which is like taking kids, young adults that are struggling with depression, anxiety, drug abuse, family problems, usually a combination of all sorts of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking them out for an extended period of time into the wilderness to kind of partially get away from that environment that created those problems and also to hopefully instill a sense of like personal being and self uh find a lot of a lot of the times you know especially in those formative years of adolescence that kids are just looking for a way to be able to fit in but also find themselves and so having that as something that 
you know they can have as an experience because they're out there for like two to three months uh, as a teenager and that can be a really powerful experience uh, especially when you're in that wilderness therapy setting because it's you're also guided uh, through it by the staff which would be me as well as therapists like licensed therapists that you might see in like a hospital or a clinic something like that licensed therapists out on the trail yeah. Yeah. They come out from, you know, it kind of depends on the yeah. program. I've worked for a couple of different ones at this point. Um, but each one kind of has their own style. They're usually out for a couple of days during the week, having, you know, therapy sessions, kind of not exactly what you think of just like lying on the couch and mm-hmm. talking about your problems in like, uh, in that sense, but you know, like, Hey, it's, all right. I'm, if I'm your therapist or something, it's like, Hey, you know, let's go for a walk on this trail and let's talk. Let's talk about what's going on with you and your family. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of success stories that you have uh, seen and been involved with? Uh, I'll put it this way. I haven't seen anybody who has completed the program come out worse than they went in, uh, especially with mental health. It's, it's such a progression. It's not a, I'm going to do this thing and then boom, I'm fixed. I'm good. For a lot of people, it's a, hey, this is another step forward in my process of working through whatever it is I'm dealing with, trauma, you know, mm-hmm. trying to figure out who I am, that sort of stuff. So it's it's always a, a sliding scale, but 98% of people that go through it come out better than they went in. Sometimes it still means, hey, you know, your journey's not done yet. You still got to, mm-hmm. you know, go to some sort of aftercare. You should still see a therapist when you're done with being here, especially because, it's a huge culture shock to have been living in the woods for three months and then go right back to that home situation that you were, you know, struggling with in the first place. So being able to continue that process is really important, but I, I think it's a really good intervention to be able to kind of like pull people aside and be like, Hey man, like life's not going so great. Let's take a break for a minute and hopefully try and teach you some skills to be able to combat this a little bit better. Yeah, one of the common themes that keeps coming up again and again on the podcast here is the transformational power of nature and the trail. Yeah. And yeah. that, uh, you know, you're working with with troubled teens, but, you know, just anybody that goes out into wilderness for an, experience, an extended period of time come out different and they come out different for the yeah. better. Yeah, I, I would, you know, I would often talk with students. Uh, I'd be like, hey, I haven't gone through a structured wilderness therapy like y'all, but through hikes, a little wilderness therapy, personal for me, like I don't have necessarily a therapist to guide it and it looks different, but it's important. It's important to be able to have that experience of like taking yourself out of society for a while to be like, Hey, I'm gonna go do me for a little bit and make sure I'm good. And this is how I do it. So, uh, yeah, nature is healing for sure. Yeah. Not only are you unplugging for, from society for a while, but you're out there alone in your head for a lot of time. I mean, there's a lot of inner conversation that takes place. Yeah. Yeah. And especially on the AT, because I didn't have a podcast or anything like that. You know, I had, I think a hundred songs on an iPod, which, you know, after about two weeks was like, all right, I'm sick of these hundred songs. And that's all I got though. So (laughs) um, yeah, being able to, to think through a lot of things, it's always a good point on trail when you realize, huh, I've run out of things to think about. It's pretty satisfying. (laughs) Nice. Let's talk about the AT. So you did some research, you heard from a friend, you prepared for this 
and then you went out there and did it, did it meet your expectation? Did reality live up to the hype or was it something completely unexpected out there for you? I researched it too much. I distinctly remember a day, probably like mid July or so uh, I wake up and I'm walking in the morning and I'm going to catch sunrise at McAfee knob, one of the most photographed mm-hmm. spots in all of Virginia, much less the AT and I get there for sunrise and the sunrise just peeking out over the peeking out over the ridge far off to the east. And I remember sitting there looking at it go and just thinking to myself, like, I, I feel like I've already been here. And that was kind of a bummer for me because it's like, man, like, like it's cool. I was like, dang, this is really beautiful. This is a really cool moment. I wish I didn't feel like I'd already been here and experienced it before. Cause in my research, I'd seen that photo so many times. Like I, I had just dove so deep into looking at, Hey, what do I expect on trail? What does it look like? All that. And, you know, watching so many YouTube videos on it. And, and then I got there and I was like, man, I feel like I've already been here. And I don't, I don't know. I didn't like that experience a lot. And I changed it for, you know, the following hikes, you know, the PCT, I didn't really do any research at all. Um, which was nice. Cause like if it all felt fresh, which was really cool. Um, but on the AT, I had found that the way that I was motivated the most to keep going and not become overwhelmed by like the gravity of how big this thing is that I'm trying to do. Cause on the surface, like walking from Georgia to Maine is absurd. It's a long way, you know? And if you think about that every day, you're just thinking about like, you know, man, this is so far. I'm not making any progress. It feels like you're not moving at all. But if you can reframe it and be like, Hey, all I got to do is get to the next resupply and then eat some food, take a shower and then worry about the next bit. So if I can just worry about this bit between here and there, I'll be good. That's what 70 miles. That's not that bad. That's going to be four or five days. I can do that. You can do that for four or five days. And eventually you do that enough times and Hey, shoot, I made it all the way. Um, and so that kind of is how I framed the rest of my hikes after that. It's something that I learned was like, yeah, man, you don't have to research everything about this trail. You know, if there's permits and stuff, make sure you get your permit, that sort of thing. Uh, if you know that there's a section up ahead that could be vastly different than what you've been doing, such as going from Southern California into the Sierras during a high snow year, you should probably learn you know, the skills you need to navigate that safely and what gear you need to have sent out to you ahead of time. But, you know, for the little stuff, like, you know, is, am I going to hike, uh, from, you know, I don't know if, if I'm going to hike from X town to Y town and then from Y town to Z town, for the most part, it's going to be pretty similar in how I approach it. So just go from X to Y first and then go from Y to Z after that, you know, um, and so that's, that's kind of why I've stayed away from hiking videos of places that I haven't been yet that I want to go. Yeah. You learn from your, your own experience there on the AT and your, your conversation right there reminded me of a, of an old proverb of, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, <laughs> one bite you, at a you, time. You, you cannot, you cannot consider the whole huge beast all at one time. And, and similar with a, yeah. a long trail, um, you just have to get up, break camp, uh, hike 25, 30 miles, make camp, go to sleep, and then do that again, 135, 140 times. And, and yep. you're done, right? That's all you have to do. Yeah. I mean, when you break it down like that, I was like, you know, 
what's the average length between towns on a trail? You know, three to six days. All right, cool. Go hike three to six days, take mm-hmm. a shower, eat some good food, feel good about life again, you know, recharge and then go do it again. It's, just keep doing that and eventually get there. Nice. And did you, did you do the long trails solo or did you go with uh, buddies or did you pick up a family along the way? How, how'd that work? I've, I've always started trails by myself. I haven't started intentionally with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always found cool people to hang out with. The one exception being uh, the Te Aotearoa down in New Zealand. And mm-hmm. I, but I did that at a weird time of the year. We could talk about that later, but uh, the, the intention that I've, and especially with, with the CDT and approaching it that way uh, was knowing that there's going to be people out there that I'm going to get along with and people I'm going to be able to hike with. And one of the biggest fears when I was first starting the AT was that I wouldn't find anyone. I'd be out there by myself. And then, you know, that prospect of that is really scary. It's like, Oh man, I'm walking from Georgia to Maine by myself. That's wild. But I met someone like, I don't know, within the first hour (laughs) of trail that I spent quite a bit of time with. And so, yeah, I've always prioritized just meeting people out there. Go ahead, drop some names. Who would you meet on the AT? Uh, I immediately jumped to my guy, Otter. Uh, he, I think this is the only, that's the only trail he's done. Uh, but he's, he's given me congratulations and stuff on the other ones. You know, we reminisce every now and then. So shout out to Otter. I don't, I don't know if he listens to this. Uh, but then, you know, you meet people. You just, I don't know. You meet people all over the, all over the place. Brother Raccoon, this goofy dude. I love that guy. Weebles, uh, Ladybird. Oh man. Uh, agent. There's, I don't know. There's so many, so many people, uh, on the AT and I feel bad as now as five years ago, I'm starting to forget trail names, which is bad, but the memories are still there. Nice. Now they refer to the, the AT as the green tunnel because you're, you're yeah. walking in, in cover for a lot of the trail. Yeah. And yeah. Tell, tell me how, how the AT compares to the PCT. I mean, that's a, they are two very different trails, aren't they? Very, very, um, the, the AT, especially for me, I know some people, if you start pretty early, they don't have that green tunnel experience as much because the leaves haven't come in yet by June, the whole trail is leafed in and, you know, I, I didn't have very many views at all. And so I'll jump to the PCT for comparison. I remember my first day on the PCT down in Southern California, near Mexico, walking along and I get about a mile in and I'm like, Oh, wow, I already did a mile. This is really cool. And I was thinking to myself, this trail is like a sidewalk in comparison to the AT because it's so well-groomed. It's graded for horses that it's like, it's so easy to make miles there. And then on top of that, you got views everywhere. I just, I talk about the PCT is like, you're constantly walking in a postcard. It's so cool. Uh, and so going from the AT where it's up and down a lot, basically a stair stepper to the PCT where it's like, Hey, this feels like a sidewalk in comparison was really cool. This feel, feel that confidence starting the trail and being able to just jump right into it and feel comfortable with doing bigger miles right away, which was really nice. I did like a 20, my first day on the PCT, wow, nice. 22, the next day, 26, the third day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I didn't break 20 miles on the AT for like two months. So yeah, it was, it was a huge, huge change. And did you happen to stay with Scout and Frodo prior to the uh, your first day on the trail? I did not. I saw them at the terminus, which was okay. cool. My cousin at uh, at the time was living in San Diego, so I I stayed with him and his family. 
Okay. Yeah. We, we had, we've had uh scout on the podcast here. He was fantastic nice. to talk to. Yeah. Really he's, cool. he's such a cool dude. And like, he, he knows so much about the history of the trails, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Yep. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to hear a bit more from uh, two taps on the PCT. And I especially want to hear about his experience in the Sierras. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The John Freakin' Muir Pod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultra light. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Now, welcome back. Talking to Two Taps. And when we left, we were talking about the PCT. Um, before we get to more details about the PCT and the Sierras, you know, how long did it take you to hike the AT? How many days? It took, uh, I believe, about 148, 149 days, just shy of five months. Um, I ended up taking about a week and a half off when I was doing the flip-flop to go back, and I almost quit. I almost didn't go back because I was having such a bad time, and then, you know, the stubbornness kicked in, so that's why I kept going. So, yeah, just shy of five months total on that one. Okay, and not counting that week and a half, did you take many zeros in town days? Yeah, not counting that week and a half, I took 10 zeros on the AT, so not a lot. Um, Okay. I was going on a pretty tight budget on that one. So I was like, oh, I can't spend a lot of money. Yeah. More, more time in town, the more, the more cash comes out, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And then how about the PCT? How long did it take you there? 
PCT was a bit quicker, 129 days. Um, and yeah, with that one, I think it took 20 zeros. So doubled the zeros on that one, had a bit more of a budget, that sort of thing. Okay, 129 days with 20 zeros. That's that's a pretty good clip on the, the non-zero days. Yeah, I, I, I found, especially on the Western trails where they're graded a little nicer and you can be more consistent with your miles. I tend to be really happy with like high 20s, low 30s once I got my trail legs. Um, and just consistently being able to crank that out, um, was, you know, helpful in making sure I was still moving pretty quick. Cause I started May 11th, uh, cause I knew it was going to be a big snow year in the Sierra. I was like, all right, I'll start later and let some of it melt out. Didn't really work out, but, uh, so started late and then getting through the Sierras took a while. So by the time I got to Tahoe, I was like, shoot, I need to get moving. Otherwise I'm going to get snowed out of Washington, mm-hmm. uh, which spoiler, I, pretty much did but i made it barely <laughs> it was cold um so that was also part of the reasoning for hustling a little bit there on the second half of the trail okay now the the pct i like to say has it has multiple personalities there are very different feels to different sections of of the trail you've got the desert you've got the sierras you've got yep. oregon and washington and i think those are all even northern california is different than than the sierras yeah. And so, uh, you know, tell us your impressions of the, the different sections and what was your favorite? I, I really enjoyed Washington. You know, I ended up moving there after the trail just cause I was so enamored with it, which was great. That was my favorite section, probably the last couple hundred, 200 miles or so from Snoqualmie Pass to the border was just stunning. Um, I feel like the Sierras would have been my favorite if I hadn't just constantly been like, I feel like I'm going to die today. And I don't like that. <laughs> so I feel like that would have been a highlight, but I was just way too focused. I'm just trying to get through without getting swept down a river. Um, but I also, I really enjoyed NorCal, which I know is controversial because I think a lot of people don't like NorCal. I love NorCal. And I think part of that is because it was the first time having consistently dry trail for like the whole day. Uh, so that was, that was really nice to be able to be like, hey, cool. My feet are staying dry. I like this. This is good. And you're not post-holing. Not post holing. I actually didn't have much problem with post holing. Um, because I went into the Sierras in late June, it had condensed pretty well and there wasn't much in the way of storms. Like I don't, there was one day where it was like kind of stormy, but didn't even rain. Um, and then outside of that, it was just bluebird days the whole, like the whole time. So the snow had condensed pretty well. So it was hard to actually like post hole all the way through. So you're able to walk on top of it, even if it was slushy for the majority of the day, which was really nice. Yeah, my son and I did the southern half of the JMT that su- that summer, late July, and it was a high snow year, as you said, and the the water, you know, the rivers were just outrageous. Oh yeah, and there was you know I, leading up to our hike, I had been reading all these reports, and there was there was reports that um, uh, the the South Forks uh, South South Cross South Fork of the Kings South Fork of the Kings that you could not cross where the trail crossed uh, yeah. the the river you had to find an alternate crossing because it was just too dangerous and someone had yeah. died there and so yeah. the whole the whole time we were on the trail heading towards that point I'm thinking okay how how are we gonna how are we gonna get across this but we we found a crossing point further north and everything went just fine but it was you know it was it was a pretty hairy situation out there a lot of yeah. dangerous conditions do you have any any dangerous water crossings yeah i mean south fork of the kings was yeah. not good um the, the there's actually two people that unfortunately mm-hmm. uh were killed in that river that year and i i didn't find out until i got north of tahoe 
that it, that had even happened, but one was a couple of days behind me and one was a couple of days ahead of me. So I was right in the middle of that, yeah. um, which was really, really sad. Cause I remember looking on gut hook and you know, the red, the gut hook red line crosses the river a couple of times. I was like, well, why would we cross this a couple of times? Like cross it just to come back. Let's just stay on this side and go up this route. It's all covered in snow anyway. There's no trail. So it doesn't matter. Um, and so with my group, we, we didn't cross that one there. Um, but I did have a problem in yellow or yellowstone that's the cdt in yosemite um with paiute creek which i don't think is on the jmt uh, yeah i don't think it is because it's after um tuolumne meadows uh but paiute creek uh i had gotten a little ahead of the group and so i was like oh it's at that point just the whole meadow area was just flooded completely like the sign that said trail was like barely poking out of the water and this is like a three foot tall sign um and like it, the bank of the creek is usually another 20 feet further than this uh, and so that's how flooded it was but i saw that it was moving kind of slowly so i was like all right cool you know this is the first river i've had that's not just absolutely whipping by me um it looks decently shallow and it's moving pretty slow i can probably afford this one i've done sketchier ones than this i thought and then I get, you know, so I, I take off like my shirt, I take off my backpack, I'm holding it above my head and just trying to keep everything dry. And I start walking across with my pack over my head and I get to about waist deep um, in this Creek. I'm like, all right, cool. Waist deep. This is fine. I'm not even really getting pushed much by the current until I take one more step forward. And I find out that there's just a huge drop off. And so I could go immediately from the water, my waist to over my head. And I'm just like one hand dog paddling as hard as I can to get to this uh, down tree. That's like another 15 feet further uh, out there in the river. And I, I got there fine. But I was like, that was the one time I was like, this is, this is dumb. <laughs> this is stupid. I really, I, I really am not having a good time at all with this. It's, it's like end of the day. I'm all soaking wet now. Yeah, it, it sucked. Um, but that was probably this one of the sketchiest moments I had on trail was like, oh, shoot. Like, you know, I'm getting pushed. There's a bunch of tree down trees and stuff. Like I get, get hung up on that and stuck under one or something. I hope like trying to keep my pack dry. It was it was a mess. Yeah, the Sierras was a mess. It was, yeah, it was in hindsight, dumb to go through. Like, and I've been telling people, I was like, I never ever want to do that again. And at the same time, I'm glad I did it. Just, I don't know, but I'm stubborn and, and I just wanted to keep going north and I didn't want to flip or skip or anything. I was like, no, I just want to keep going. And we did it. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that again. Sounds like a lot of type two fun. I'd take three fun type three fun. Okay. Very good. Yep. Next, next not level. fun to do and not fun to talk about. <laughs> and I, I, I question, is that even fun then? Should it be, is that, should that be a category of fun if it's not fun to do or talk about? It's one of those things where it's like, you don't want to glorify it because then it gives people the wrong impression. Um, it's like, Hey, they did it. Why can't I sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But as we talked about earlier, people died like where I was when i was out there on the pct doing the exact same thing as them and you know no long trail should be worth you dying over that's like i get that accidents happen and like you know i i saw south fork of the kings i saw where that happened and that was scary like just even looking at it i got so much anxiety and even 
like weeks after leaving the Sierra, I remember just hearing a stream north of like north of uh oh man, it's not Carson. Uh it starts with a C, it's in Northern California. I can't remember the name of it. Chester. Okay. Chester. Chester, okay. Um, it's near the halfway point. And I remember walking around a corner and I hear just a trickle of running water and I can feel myself tense up and get like anxious about it. Cause I'm like, Oh, cause I got so used to like, all right, man, as soon as you hear water, it's go time. That's a, that's and, a bit of, that's a bit of PTSD right there. For sure. Yeah. It's, it was bad. And you know, it's just stunningly beautiful, but at the same time, it's like, man, I don't, I don't know if that's worth it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I do want to go back this year at some point in like August where I can just chill <laughs> yeah nice yeah now i've also heard a big difference between the at and the pct is the number of states that you go through so on the at you're going through a lot of smaller states and so you, it feels like you're 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 making progress uh because yeah. you've gone from one state to another but the you know the first i don't know eight, was it 1800 miles of the pct is california and it's like you, you yeah are, you, you are never getting out of california did you did you feel I, that I didn't feel it as much as I think most people because I had that mindset of just get to the next town. Mm -hmm. Like, don't worry about how far it is. Um, And so I started and I was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to get to, you know, I'm going for the border. Cool. I'm going to Warner Springs. It's 120 miles. It's not ridiculous. You know, something like Mm -hmm. that. If you want to get to Warner Springs, like, all right, cool. You're going to Idlewild. That's 40 miles, you know, and stuff like that. So just keeping that approach of like, Hey, just get to the next resupply point. You know, the breaking it down is really nice. Also, I think most people kind of divide California by how gut hooks divides it between sub- Southern California, 700 miles. You got the Sierra for like 500 miles, say 400 miles. Then you got Northern California for the rest. So that 1700 miles that California is, it, you know, divided by three, it's, it doesn't feel as ridiculously huge as California actually is. And then, you know, you get to Oregon and Washington, they're 500 miles, 450 and then 500 miles. So by that point, it's like, ah, I've already done 1700 somehow I can do another 900. There you go. Now, before we leave the AT and the PCT behind and move to, uh, to New Zealand, um, let's, can you, can you boil it down to what, what is your favorite memory from each of those trails? Oh, on the AT, uh, it would have to be Saddleback mountains up in Maine. Um, the day that I was going over there, uh, we i looked later on it was 50 mile an hour consistent winds with gusts of over 80 miles an hour <laughs> and i just it's it's a bald mountain once you get up there you got about a mile mile and a half of just open um and so the wind is just whipping it's like it is one of the windiest up until the cdt that was the windiest hiking experience i'd ever had and i'm legitimately getting blown over i'm trying to walk and i'm just the wind is knocking me on my side and i remember getting down the other side just going like dude that was cool. I did it with, I did it with my buddy Jupiter, um, uh, when he was hiking, uh, the Eastern continental trail, um, which goes from Canada down to Key West, huge trail. Jupiter um, hikes. Jupiter hikes. That's yeah. The one. He was a, he was a former guest. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's cool, dude. He's uh, a great so I guy. To, yeah. I got to do saddlebacks in Maine with him when he was on that. And we were just, <laughs> we were just laughing the whole time. Just be like, this is so cool. Uh, so that was probably my favorite AT memory. Okay. Um, and then the PCT, I'd have to say the Glacier Peak Wilderness in Washington. Um, it's about 150 miles, 100 miles or so from the finish. And we just had stunning weather through that section. You're walking around a volcano in just like the heart of the Cascades. And 
I I was walking around a corner and I legitimately just was overwhelmed with the magnitude of, you know, it was the first time I was like, man, I'm actually doing this. Like I'm going to finish. I'm actually going to finish this. And, and just being overwhelmed with that emotion of having come so far battling through the Sierra, dealing with constant forest fire problems in Northern California and Oregon, and then getting to this near end point and just having it be so stunning. I, I, I just stopped and I started crying on the trail. It was just like, this is wild. Like, how am I this lucky to have this as my life right now? And just appreciate appreciating it, but also kind of mourning the sadness for what was coming because I knew it was coming to an end. I was like, man, I don't, I don't know if I want this to end. And then it snowed for three days at the end. I was like, all right, we can end now. <laughs> but at that time, it was, it was stunning. It's still what one a of moment. my favorite places I've ever hiked. Yeah, that sounds like quite a moment. Now let's let's move on to uh, to New Zealand. Uh, last season we had on the podcast Elena Osborne, who goes by oh, Tip Tap. Tip Tap. Yeah, that's actually, right. I met her when she was on the PCT. I did a little trail magic uh, out of Snoqualmie Pass and ran into her. Yeah, yep, her video to, was stunning. Yeah, incredible. We talked yeah. to her about her PCT travels, and then uh, she took us through uh, the TA and yeah. told us all about that. So how did you get the, the idea in your head to, to do the TA down in New Zealand? So 17 finished up the PCT mm-hmm. in September, felt kind of lost for a couple of months, found out about this wilderness therapy gig, which got me out to Washington. It was the first time in my life where I actually got a job where I was like making a bit of money. So I was able to put some money away and the particular company I was working for had a break over the winter. Uh, it was like a four month break. And it's like, you know, you have a job next season. If you want to come back, we understand if you you know need to move on to other things and find a good job over the winter, but I'd been able to save enough that I was like, well, I have a guaranteed job starting late January if I want it. And so, you know, I've got four months to kill. Why not go somewhere cool? And I was missing the hiking scene a lot. And, I was like, well, what's something cool I could do in the Southern Hemisphere, New Zealand? I, up until that point, I had been always been one of those places. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. It had been one of those places like uh, I would love to go here, and I don't think it'll ever happen. But you know, the stars aligned, and I was like, well, you got three months and enough money to go hang out in New Zealand for three months if you want, and they have a trail down there. Uh, and so, I went down to New Zealand and hiked part of the TA now caveat to disclaimer i only ended up hiking the south island but from what i've heard it's the it's the best half so i'll take it i'll finish the north island at some point but uh yeah i uh, was able to go down there i ended up spending a month working in a hostel in queenstown which is like the place where they invented bungee jumping if that gives you an idea of how cool this place is uh-huh. uh so i worked in a hostel was a vagrant down there and then hiked uh, the south island of new zealand in 40 days and then yeah, hung up for a little longer, saw a couple pals, and then took off to go back to work. That's fantastic. Now, two tabs. I have to tell you that one of the highlights of my podcasting career was, you know, I, I found, somebody recommended that I talk to Elena, and so I reached yeah. out to her. And when I through through social media, and when she got back to me, she was in the middle of her uh, her TA hike, and so she said, you know, I'm on I'm on the trail right now. You know, let's let's reconnect when I'm done. And I said, great. You know, here's a link to the podcast. You want to you want to listen to some episodes. And she told me afterwards when she came on and, and did an episode with us that uh, she was listening to the John freaking Muir pod uh, while she was in Lord of the Rings country on the TA. So just nice. knowing that the, my podcast was being was being listened to out there. That's a highlight <laughs> right there. That's good. 
Yeah, it was cool. I was like, man, I'm getting the hike for Rohan right now. This is sweet. <laughs> That's right. Nice. <laughs> okay. And then you went from, from the TA uh, in 2018-19 to doing some smaller trips in 2020. Was that because of the pandemic kind of limited your activities? That was part of it, yeah. Um, so with new with hiking New Zealand's, um, like I said, I did it in 40 days. Mm-hmm. The way that I did it, I started uh, really early. So I did a south to north, which is like the equivalent of going southbound up here just because uh, um, southern hemisphere, so everything's flipped. Uh, and so I hiked by myself pretty much the whole time. I, I hiked with another person for 30 minutes. And, you know, at the end of that, it was like, all right, cool. I'm glad to know that I can do this. By, I can do 40 days by myself. Like I saw people in town, but, you know, you don't really form that tramway or anything. Yeah. Were like you looking that. over your shoulder the whole time for orcs and ring rates? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hiking through one part going like, I think this is where they, they filmed the road scene where uh, they first see the Nazgul and they're hiding under that tree. Right. Frodo I that. Yep. Doing weird stuff. So, um, yeah. Uh, but with that, it was like, uh, I'm, I'm glad I know that I can do 800 miles by myself, but I don't want to do that anymore. And so in 2020, I was originally going to hike the CDT uh, and then COVID happened like oh okay i'll go southbound covid was still happening i was like all right i guess i can't do it this year but what else can i do that is also close to home and so being able to do the smaller stuff uh even if it was solo didn't feel as daunting which was nice um being able to uh go out i did the timberline trail in a couple days uh i did this uh, infinity loop, like a figure eight through the three sisters wilderness near Oregon. Um, hiked some sections of the Oregon desert trail, stuff like that. Uh, as I've been, I moved to bend uh, from bend, Oregon from Seattle uh, when the pandemic first started, uh, I got a new job. Um, so being able to do that stuff that was still close to home and I could still like stay connected with work and friends and, that sort of thing, but also be able to still kind of scratch that itch a little bit uh, was really nice. Uh, and especially with just, I don't know, when the pandemic first started, I was part of a Zoom call group. It was like a hiker support group. It was all the three hikers that are just like, man, I just can't get out. And it's everything's on lockdown. You know, this is back when we thought it was like the zombie apocalypse was happening. So it was like no one was leaving their house. And, and so I just, I just felt so lucky to be like, well, I'm really lucky that I live in a really cool place and I can go, you know, drive 45 minutes and be at the trailhead for sisters, you know, stuff like that. So just prioritizing, just, you know, experiencing the new place that I was living. I love that hiker support group on zoom <laughs> it during, definitely during the pandemic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's like, if you're a hiker in any capacity, you know, it was like a friend I was meeting like friends of friends of friends, people I'd never actually hiked with, but it's like, I know one guy who knows another guy who knows another guy. And we all just get together and yeah, it was fun. It was those, fun. It was those, needed. Would those meetings start off with, hi, my name is tip taps and I'm a hiker. <laughs> it did for the people that we didn't know or that yeah. I didn't know. I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm two taps yeah uh who are you you know what have you hiked that sort of thing the classic hiker stuff how many miles you got scoping everyone out right so one of my questions was going to be you know what was what's with the the uh four-year gap between the pct and the cdt but now it makes sense and you 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 took some time did the the ta and then covid came in and kind of delayed things for you but when you did the 
when you finished the AT, did you know that you're going to be a triple crowner? No, you, you didn't. You didn't. You hadn't said to yourself at that point, I'm doing all three long trails come hell or high water. I'm going to do it. No. Um, and I didn't think I was going to hike again after the AT for a while until I was like, well, I missed this. I guess I'll go do the PCT. I heard some good stuff about that while I was on the trail. Um, but it, it's always for me, Ben, one trail at a time. It was never, I want to do the triple crown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's also part of that gap between the PCT and the CDT. Um, cause when I finished the PCT, it, you know, I was 20, I just turned 24, 23. I just turned either 23 or 24. I don't know <laughs> math. Um, early twenties. And I only really worked one job for nine months. Other than that, I was working retail for REI just to pay for my next hike. And if I was going to do the CDT, it would be for the wrong reasons. It would be because I want to have this title of triple crown, whatever that means. Um, that, that would have been the main reason and the goal. And so for me in waiting that long, and especially with having other hikes in between that was, what hike do I want to do? And it wasn't until I was done with New Zealand that I was like, all right, I think I kind of want to do the CDT uh, because after the PCT and realizing you need to do something else for a little while, cause you can't have your whole life just be through hiking perpetually. You know, at least for me, I need to be able to do multiple things and having some semblance of a career is good, is important to me. Uh, even if it looks really weird compared to, you know, all my college friends that are having kids and, you know, getting promoted at their corporate jobs and stuff like that. And so, you know, when, when the opportunity to go to New Zealand arose, I was like, cool. Yeah. I want to do this. I'd much rather do this than hike the CDT. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna go do that. Um, and then it wasn't until late 2019, um, the winter 2019, 2020, I was like, all right. I think I want to go, I want to go see the CDT. Um, cause I was able to do a section in 2019 of Colorado with, uh, some PCT friends that were finishing up their triple crowns. And that was my first experience with the CDT and being able to hike through the San Juans, which is like kind of like the Sierra mm-hmm. equivalent on the CDT was that's like, what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is really cool. All right. I, all right. You got me. I'll, I want to give this a shot. And then, you know, had to wait the extra year cause of COVID, but yeah, it's, it's always been about hiking a trail because I want to be on that trail, not because I want to be triple crown or anything like that. I, I think that's the wrong reason to be out there for me. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have made it. Okay. I would have probably quit at some point. All right. Now I know that the CDT is a long trail, so I feel a little bit silly asking this question. It's 3,100 miles. Um, but I also know uh, some other people that were out there at that time and just wondering if you guys uh, cross paths at all. Uh, yeah. Are you familiar with Renee and Tim? Yes. Tick and talk. Yes. Were, yeah, did did I, you run into them at all? Or I, I did. We crossed paths in West Yellowstone. Okay. I'm talking to them yes. tomorrow night. Oh, nice. Yeah. They, um, so they did a different route. This is what it, this is one of my favorite parts about the CDT is there's so many different routes you can a lot do. Of it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's my roommate that I was living with and Ben had done the, the CDT uh, and the GDT all in one go in 2019 so 3800 miles dude's dude's a legend he's awesome um but he had told me before i was like hey man the red line doesn't mean anything go do what's cool 
And so that's, that's what I embraced with this trail it was really cool. Like there was a stretch where I didn't, I wasn't on the official CDT for longer than two days in a span of three weeks, uh, up in Wyoming and Montana. And it was cool. It was like, man, go find your own adventure, which is wow. what I loved about it. And so they, they were taking the official CDT out of West Yellowstone. I was doing an alternate. So that's where we crossed and split off, but yeah, they're really cool. They're really nice. Yeah. They seem like a lot of fun. I can't wait to talk to them tomorrow. Yeah. Um, also a former guest who was wrapping up his triple crown experience was Ivy Tat. I ran into him in Pie Town. No yeah, way. Yeah. yeah. Down in New Mexico. That's the only time I saw him. Yeah. Were you, so I, were you familiar with him before you met him? I knew who he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a couple of his videos. Yeah. Just, just for fun. Like I said, I don't really watch much in terms of like mm-hmm. hiking YouTube stuff, just to, you know, I don't want to ruin my own experience, that sort of thing. Uh, but I'd heard about him. I'd follow him on Instagram for a little bit. He takes some cool videos and yeah, he's a character. <laughs> he is a character. He's, is, a little, he's a little rough around the edges. He is. I have to tell you that my mom is a faithful listener to the podcast, of course, and she heard yeah. his episode and heard he was going to do the CDT. And so she has watched every single one of his videos as uh, he has gone from Mexico to Canada. And, yeah, it was- uh, She's a big fan of Ivy Tat. Yeah, I don't want to ruin the mystique of Ivy Tat too much, but it's interesting meeting him in person versus his videos. It was, it was like, ah, it's, you're definitely the same person, but like you approach things differently. It's really interesting. So yeah, when he was when he was on the podcast, you know, I had not watched uh, any of his videos, and so he was on the podcast, and we had a really great conversation. I didn't have to put the, you know, the E, the explicit uh, E on, <laughs> on the episode or anything. Good and then him. I started watching his videos. I'm like, holy oh, smokes. God. Yeah, is, okay. <laughs> hey there. This is definitely his, his rant box <laughs> on his yes. YouTube, which is very entertaining to watch. So yeah. 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 Ran into him in Pie Town. Uh, we both stayed at the toaster house. It was kind of a quirky little spot in this town of like a hundred people in the random New Mexico desert. Uh, yeah, CDT's weird. <laughs> CDT's yeah. got some weird town stops. Yes. Now, did you find? You know, I've I've heard from uh, Ginger Balls, who's a triple crowner. He did the CDT as, as his last trail, uh, last long trail, and he said if he would have started with the CDT, he would that would have been his last, his last <laughs> hike because yeah. starting off in New Mexico, there's, there's a lot of uh, questionable water sources and there's a lot of wayfinding, right? I mean, there's not a, a clearly defined path for a, a lot of that in New Mexico. So my experience has been, and I talked with uh, my buddy Prodigy. I don't know if you've had him on the podcast. Mm, no. uh, if not, you should definitely reach out to him. Um, but so he did the calendar year Triple Crown in 2019. Um, and so just being able to talk with his experience between 2018 and 2021, mm-hmm. uh, it sounds like they've the CDT's put a lot of effort into signing and putting signage okay. up, uh, which has been really nice. Um I didn't find it all too hard with route finding uh, is really only the boot heel in New Mexico, which is like that first 80 miles or so where you're kind of going over flat expanses of nothing. And you just see like this tiny little stake way off in the distance with the CDT sign on. And you're like, all right, cool. I guess I'm going that way um, as navigation. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't find it was super hard. Okay. I think right. the only thing that was, rough was the the section between pie town and grants because like mile 400 500 ish somewhere in there where it's just road like the whole time and you're walking on roads and 
I don't know. That was the one time where I was like, this road section sucks just because it was just really long, consistently just road. Um, but honestly, New Mexico, I, I liked it more than Colorado. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, it's got some really cool variety to it. Uh, you can go from like desolate desert and you, you know, 10 miles later, you're going uphill, you're in a conifer forest. And then you drop back down to a desert and you've been cacti and you go to the, if you take the Gila river alternate, you're walking along the, the Gila river for a couple of days. You got like cottonwood trees. It's a really cool spot. You know, there's mesas, there's Aspen. It's if you can only hike one state to get a taste of all of the trail, I think New Mexico is the one to do. Honestly, it's, it's really cool. Okay. Now, how many days did it take you to do the CDT? CDT was 145 days with 26 zeros and then probably like 10 or so Neros. So yeah, the, the zero count keeps going up. <laughs> the more trails I do, it's like, eh, you can hang out in town. It's fine. Uh, but this one I'd worked for, you know, basically two years to, to pay for and finally got a job that actually paid me some money. So I was like, all right, I can spend some money. All right. And of the three long trails, what was your longest day mileage? Uh, CDT. CDT ended up doing a 45. The intention was to do a 62 uh, or a metric century. We had it perfectly lined up. Me and uh, five other people were like, all right, guys, today's the day. We're going to do 100K. And we lined up. We stopped exactly 62 miles from the road to Lander, Wyoming. Uh, so we're in the, the Great Divide Basin where it's pretty flat. Um, again, a lot of roads, but it's like dirt gravel roads, which is it's like extra wide trail, really. And we started at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 2 a.m., something like that, really early, um, and had 31 miles done by 1230. Uh, and then we kept on going until mile 45, where my buddy Twerk just showed up out of nowhere making trail magic in the middle of the Wyoming basin. And his one rule was you can have trail magic as long as you stay. And so we ended up staying and cutting our 62 miles short, but is is for a good reason. Yeah, it's worth it. Trail magic. What kind of trail magic? Oh, he makes the best food. I think that we were doing tacos that night. Uh, so much beer. <laughs> so much beer. Uh, there might even be tequila floating around somewhere. He's got like his portable speaker just bumping music. Like the dude knows how to trail magic. Like it's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Now I saw on your Instagram feed, um, Look like you were taking pictures with someone named Brittany. Uh, Bullet, yeah. Bullet, Bullet. Okay, was she on the CDT? Was that? Yeah, yeah. Um, she's actually from Bend as well. Um, okay. So yeah, she's out in that area. We hiked together. I saw her off and on in the beginning of the trail. She started the day before me, so we could kind of bounce back and forth for the first mm -hmm. five hundred miles. Then we did from Grants, New Mexico, which is like 500, 550, uh, up through about the middle of Colorado uh, together before splitting. Um, okay. So, yeah. And did, did she finish? She did. She actually finished the same day I did. Um, wow. Yeah, so we, we ended up splitting in Colorado and then bounced together around uh, in northern Montana. And so we ended up finishing the same day. So, yeah. Very cool. Now, do you have a favorite memory from the CDT? There... Glacier was so cool. <laughs> um, I, there's like favorite places and then there's favorite moments. 
Um, because I think those favorite moments, it's more so about the people that I'm with rather than where I am. And when, when I was in Northern Colorado, I got to hike, I started hiking predominantly with the three other people, uh, Tumbleweed, Paddles and Sprout, um, who I had first seen in Silver City, which was like mile 150 or so. It's the first time I met him, but then I got ahead um, going through the San Juans and the snow and all that. And we can talk about the San Juan snow. Um, but they, we linked back up in uh, Northern Colorado and I hiked the vast majority of the rest of the trail with them. And I don't know, this is like that feeling of trail family that I, I got so much love for them. They're just such cool people. So supportive. I was having a really rough time with trail in that time period, you know, when we first started hiking together and I probably would have quit if I hadn't found a group of really awesome people to be around. Cause I really just, I, I was struggling and I really needed that support. Um, and so, yeah, being able to like every moment with them is so fun. And, you know, we finished together uh, with a couple other friends as well. And with taco big sprout and uh, chili dog, which is really cool. And I love the names. Yeah, Those are awesome. Yeah. They're great. Uh, yeah. It's just, I don't know. It, we, I think from Bozeman, Montana to the rest, to the end of the trail, it's just like every, every day was great with them. It was really cool. Um, so that's where most of my favorite moments come in. And, you know, one of them is in one of my favorite places would be the winds, wind river range in Wyoming. Stunning. It's like, a, it's like the Sierras, but more cool and less people. Um, and then a glacier at the very end, being able to finish in such a, absolutely unique wild place and do it with them was really cool so okay now we've heard about a lot about the the cool moments the favorite moments any moments out there where you're like what in the heck am i doing out here what have i gotten myself into i'm i might not survive here so i was doing really well with hiking up until colorado and that's when we first started running into snow um and colorado snow is not Sierra so, snow. You know, I talked earlier about how the Sierra snow, you didn't really post so much because it was all condensed. In Colorado, we were there about a month earlier than when um, I was going into snow on the PCT when I was doing that. On top of that, Colorado rains a lot and storms, like it's thunderstorms pretty much every afternoon. And so that leads to when it rains on the snow, the snow becomes rotten and just like you, you can't stand on top of it. And so <laughs> The first full day out of Pagosa Springs, I think, was probably one of those times where I was like, this is dumb, and I hate this right now. Um, woke up at 5.30 and was trying to get up early to walk on top of the snow. Hopefully, it was solid enough at that point where you could walk on top of it for a bit before you start post rolling for the rest of the day. And was able to do it for maybe half an hour. So starting at 6 a.m., I am post holding every single step. I, like there is, and this is, it's just snow. There's no trail. There's nowhere that's dry for you to walk and end up doing six miles in seven hours. At that point, my feet have been submerged in snow the whole time. And so they've gone numb and I can't feel them anymore. <laughs> and so uh, this is what, it's like, Hey, got to stop for the day. And like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. And so stopping below a pass, cause uh, the goal was to get up and over, a pass but the storm was rolling in it was like well i'm not going to be up exposed above tree line 
when a thunderstorm's happening. That's just dumb. And so it turned into doing six miles that day and like warming up my feet for the rest of the day and just being like, hey, you know, I I intentionally was I was going in with the intention of hiking the CDT on the official route through the San Juans, which mostly is above, you know, at or above tree line, and it's gonna be snowed in the whole time after that day kind of reassessed that and was like, Hey, maybe we need to find a different way to do this. And so the next day hopping down onto the Creed cut off, uh, but turning off of that and walking on the highway for a while to head back up to the trail at a different point, uh, actually, which is where the origin of the Rio Grande is. So it's basically hop down off the divide, go to the Rio Grande, walk up the Rio Grande until get back to the trail, which was about halfway through the San Juans. And that's the bit I had hiked before. So I kind of knew what I was getting into at that point. And I was like, well, I got snowshoes and it's flatter on this bit. So if need be, can use snowshoes. Um, and so, you know, being able to kind of adjust uh, and create like this, this was not an official route by any means. It was a, Hey, let's, let's build a, route that will work for us sort of thing uh, up, which i think is really you cool. go yeah totally yeah it's we're gonna call it the rear grand alt i don't know something mm -hmm. like that um but yeah it, it actually worked out really well because by the time ended up getting back up to the cdt which was like four days later um had just a bunch had a couple sunny days in a row which is really nice to help the snow condense so it was much easier to walk on top of it you can actually start making some decent miles Okay. Hey, what's next for two taps? And if you don't have a what's next, I've got a couple of suggestions. I mean, I'm happy to hear your suggestions. <laughs> okay. I think I think you're ready for the Hey Duke. Dude, I, we were actually, I was talking about this before I went on this hike with some homies back in Bend. They were like, hey, you know, I'll have my trail legs if you guys are free. I don't think it's going to happen this year, though, just because water in the Southwest this year is stupidly low. So, yeah. uh, but maybe next spring. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Hey Duke, that is a lot of type two fun. Yeah. And I haven't really done much in Utah. Um, so that'd be really cool to get down there. Um, but yeah, right, right now it's kind of looking, I'm looking to head back out West here soon. Um, going to road trip out with my dad and spend some, have some father son time, which nice. would be really cool. Um, currently my plan is I'll be going back to doing the wilderness therapy for a couple months and Ben just kind of get back on my feet sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the same time working on building my photography business. Um, so you said you saw a couple posts on Instagram, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And I started photography on the AT, uh, just cause strictly cause I wanted something to do other than walking. <laughs> and it, uh, after, you know, five, six years, it's blossomed into something that's like, Hey, I kind of want to, I want to do this full time. I want this to be my job. Uh, really, I really enjoy it. And being able to kind of being able to capture those places and be able to share them, especially with people that can't uh, experience the adventure of a through hike is, I don't know, it's really fulfilling. And that's how I got inspired to yeah. start hiking is seeing cool photos and videos of people hiking. So, going to these cool places. And so if I can do that for someone, that's, that's really cool. Um, yeah. So, people, people need to go to your Instagram account and uh, click on your link tree. I clicked on your link tree and go to your photography website. It is incredible. You've got some amazing thanks, shots there. Two taps. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely yeah, gorgeous. Um, it, it helps when you're hiking through really cool places. It makes right. it easier for you. You got good material <laughs> to work with. Yeah. That's right. Um, so yeah, 
this next year is focusing on building that up and okay. entering the world of, you know, what is adventure photography, mm-hmm. um, trying to, trying to monetize that somehow. And, you know, starting with that, I got a print shop up right now, um, trying to get artwork into people's homes and, nice. you know, hopefully, you know, if you see, if you see that photo of glacier, you know, with the, the clouds rolling over it and the autumn colors every day at your office at work, you might go, I think I need to go there someday. So that's right. That's, and that's, that's, that's a little bit of sanity in your office as well. I mean, you're able to sure. look at that during the tough times and you'll be in a better spot. Now, yeah. two taps when you, when, after you finish the Hey Duke, then you'll be ready for the next step, which is the Barkley. Oh God. <laughs> I'm mm. I don't know about that. I'll walk so I don't have to run, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I, I thought about it a couple times on trail about getting into trail running just because, you know, especially with finishing a long trail, you're just so used to your endorphins and mm-hmm. serotonin and dopamine, all that flowing through your body all the time. And when you get off trail, it's just like you crash so hard. And I think that's, that's where yeah. the post-trail depression comes in big time. So having uh being able to do 20 miles in three hours because you're running it as opposed to hiking it you know you still still are able to see some cool stuff i don't know if i'll ever get to barkley level yeah barkley that is barkley, insanity barkley is trail running but it's also wayfinding and it's also yeah. sleep deprivation right and you're, yeah you you know it, it is insanity have they had any finishers correct. recently i don't think they've had a finisher since they like haven't had finishers in a while it's, it's been it's yeah. been a few years yeah yeah that, that i know tells that, you how insane the race is yeah, I know that legend, legend did it. Yeah, and that dude's that dude's wild. And you know, if he can, if if he can only make it two two rounds, I don't know if I'll make it one. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I won't yeah, rule I, it out. I've talked to a few guys who have uh, participated in the Barclays. Talked to Mike Wardian. Talked to Legend. Uh, talked to uh, Hunter Leininger. And um, you know, we're talking world class athletes here. I mean, yeah. they, they are doing amazing, amazing thing. They're at the top of their game and the yeah. Barkley just chews them up and spits them out. It, it yeah. is it's wild. Crazy. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, two taps, you know where we are? Where are we? We're at that time of the episode where I turn to you and ask you for your pro tip insight of the week. What uh, piece Ooh. of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor adventure even better? All right. I learned this in New Zealand. So slight bit of backstory on this. New Zealand is a very wet country. <laughs> it rains frequently. And what I've found is uh, a lot of the TA, uh, you're walking through fields uh, and over rivers and your feet are constantly wet all the time, all day. I had wet feet for 35 days straight out of the 40 days. So I had dry feet for the last five days. That was it. And so I had a lot of anxiety about having wet feet. Cause I'd seen, I've seen and heard a lot about, you know, if you have wet feet for a super long period of time, what can happen, uh, where your feet just kind of deteriorate, start to rot fungi, this is bad. Um, and so I was very proactive in trying to find ways to mitigate that while I was hiking. Uh, and the thing that I found worked best for me is every single time that I was taking a break when I was on trail, I would always take my socks and shoes off and let my feet totally air out. And then if I was really struggling or in each night that my, it was going and uh, going to bed with my feet that were kind of damp, I would add a balm to the bottom of my feet. And what I found is I got zero blisters on the whole trail. I had no foot problems. Um, 
that had anything to do with having wet feet. And so for, I don't know, I'm not a scientist, but uh, if you got wet feet for any reason, anytime you're taking a break, even if it's just for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I know it really sucks to put wet socks on. Trust me, I did a lot on the CDT as well. It, it sucks, but your feet will enjoy it so much more if you're able to dry them out as much as possible throughout the day and uh, try and take care of your feet. Cause you know, that's the only way you're gonna be able to keep moving is if your feet are doing all right. So dry feet, air them out anytime you're taking a break. That's an excellent tip. If you, if your feet are miserable, you are miserable. There's no way to enjoy right. a hike if your feet are miserable. Yeah. And that condition you're talking about when your feet are too wet for too long, that that's called trench foot. And they saw that in world war one, when these guys were in the trenches and the trenches would fill with water. So their feet would yeah. be wet all the time and huge portions of their feet and skin would just slough off. And, uh, like you said, it, it basically yeah. their, their feet are just rotting rot. in their, in their boots and, uh, very dangerous, uh, gross condition. So good. Excellent yeah. point. Yep. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with two taps. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Two taps. How can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your list, your next adventures? So I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is just my name. It is at Justin Helmkamp. Helmkamp is spelled H-E-L-M-K-A-M-P. Uh, the other ways that you can keep up with my work and especially the photography side of stuff is uh, on that Instagram, I have uh, a link access that goes to both my website as well as my print shop. If you're interested in getting some prints for yourself, um, I do prints, canvas, metal prints, that sort of stuff. Uh, and uh, so the print shop is my name, once again, justinhelmcamp.darkroom.tech. And then my website, which also, again, everything's pretty linked into everything else. Uh, my website being justinhelmcamp.com. Super simple, straightforward. And uh, yeah, all of those ways, all of those sites have ways for you to contact me. If you want to contact me, if you want to say, hey, if you have any questions about the hike, that sort of thing, I try and check my DMs on Instagram. So yeah, feel free to reach out. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And uh, yeah, that's, those are the ways you can find me. Fantastic. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamere at gmail.com. Two taps. I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some kind of adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the trail uh, when they're at home. What, uh, what do you have for us? So, you know, I said, I don't watch YouTube videos. There's one exception and we've talked about them already is my boy, Jupiter hikes. Uh, he has an awesome YouTube channel, which is an excellent combination of both like tips and tricks uh, on hiking and different hiking styles, as well as the more trail documentary type stuff. Um, I really appreciate how he shoots his videos, being able to, he, he takes a more artistic approach to it, as opposed to just the, I'm just going to stand here and talk into the camera while I walk and talk about my day. Um, I like how he displays the trail uh, through, his, through his work. So uh, if you have a hankering for trail, check out his stuff. Don't dive too deep. If you're going to hike that same trail and don't ruin it for yourself, but yeah, he's a cool dude. And, uh, I can't, I can't recommend his stuff, uh, anymore. So, yeah. yeah Excellent stuff. content from Jupiter hikes. Highly recommend that as well. Fantastic. And before we wrap things up, I've got one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying oh, to man. tell me about? What did I miss? Um, 
let's see here we've covered a lot we covered a lot on this one we did um i guess this will be an upcoming thing is uh i'm looking to turn a lot of my cdt work photo work as well as writing into a book um again it's in the works currently that sort of thing uh, but i don't know if you're curious to hear more about that you have a, work, <laughs> you have a working title for that book yet um I have a couple ideas that I'm not totally satisfied with. Uh, the concept being uh, a mix between a photo book as well as short essays and stories. And the goal is to kind of relate to those themes of the travel and the journey, not necessarily specific to the CDT, but using the CDT as the setting uh, for those short, uh, short stories and essays as, long as, as well as with the photos. Um, and so, yeah, just looking for a way to do something different. I, I found a lot of the trail books, um, are more trail journal, which is, which isn't really my speed. I'm more interested in kind of like the, the philosophical, uh, side of, you know, what is, what does it feel like to be a through hiker? You know, what is this experience? How do you, how can you encapsulate it in words? Cause I think that's something that, so many hikers have such a hard time with post-trail in trying to relate their experience to people that haven't experienced it before in that way. Um, and so being able to provide not only the visual of what is the trail like, being able to also show that the philosophical end of things uh, and hopefully present it in a way that people who haven't been able to do a through hike can relate to some of those themes and be able to talk with people who have done a through hiking. I, I struggle sometimes to even talk with my parents who are the most supportive people in the world when it comes to through hiking. I'm so blessed. Um, but sometimes it's hard to be able to explain, you know, what this means, what does this experience mean? Um, and so that's, that's the goal behind it still in the works. Uh, don't have a working title for it yet, but, uh, yeah, when that happens, you bet it'll be all over my Instagram and, website and all that sort of stuff so fantastic yeah. i i would buy a copy i want a copy so uh, keep keep me posted on it okay sounds good that is a wrap from the john freaking mirror studio any shout outs to friends and family two taps shout out to mom and dad mama papa taps uh ever since i've started this they've been so incredibly supportive um i i've met way too many people whose families think they're just insane and don't want anything to do with what the through hiking life is and i that's such a bummer because you know my, my parents are so wonderful and supportive and i really appreciate them shout out to tumbleweed sprout and paddles i don't think i would have finished that stinking trail without them <laughs> and uh yeah uh, shout out to the trail organizations that make all this possible um these these public lands stay public because there's people that care about them people that take care of them and you know, being able to support them and give back is huge. And I definitely encourage uh, everyone listening to either donate to your local trail organization, give some time where you can go do some trail maintenance because these trails don't build themselves, um, or just get involved somehow with you know making sure that our public lands stay public and access to everybody, and you know show the trails some love. So, and thank you, Doc, for having me on. I really appreciate being able to talk about it and keep that stoke, keep that stoke high for the true hiker life. So well said two taps. Well said. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. 
It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're hiking solo for 800 miles in the land of orcs and hobbits. The trail <laughs> is the trail. Embrace the suck. <laughs>